you got your Bibles tonight, turn with us to the book of James, chapter number 1. Book of James, chapter number 1. We're going to read the beginning of verse number 1. We're going to look at tonight and zoom in on verses number 9 through 11. Look at the subject of the challenge of being a Christian in society. The challenge of being a Christian in society. It is a challenge. It is a challenge. It is a, it's more than just bearing a name, but it's a lifestyle. It's what you're going to have to, what you're going to have to choose to live in that manner. James chapter 1, and we're going to begin to read with verse number 1. When you find your place, if you're able, would you stand and honor the reading of the Word of God. James chapter 1, and beginning to read with verse Number one, the word of God says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. But let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grass, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege tonight that we could open up your book again. Thank you for letting me stand one more time. God, for your goodness that you've shown unto me. Lord God, tonight I ask you that you would help us with the unction and the ability, God, to stand and preach your word again. Lord God, I don't want to stand and let folks hear about hear from me, but I would sure like for them to hear from you tonight. God, would you help me to stay with what thus saith the word of God, stay in the right way to stick with the stuff, and Lord, to be found in a, a manner that's pleasing to you when all is said and done. Father, would you help those tonight that's lost? God, would you help those tonight that is hurting, those that's suffering, those in trouble? Many in different areas, many of us, God, tonight that's got burdens on our heart we're not even able to put into words. Lord, you know who they are and what they face, and I pray, God, that you'd bless in every case. Most of all, God, would you help that that's lost on their way to hell, that they could see their need of a Savior. And tonight could be the good time in their life they'd trust Jesus and have eternal life. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. God, I want to bless your name for loving me like you have. Forgive me of my failures. I thank you for Jesus. 
for it's his, in his wonderful name I pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> the challenge of being a Christian in society. Now, if you recall that we have risen, we've read and we've preached several messages from these uh, first uh, eight verses. Last time we looked at the double-minded man and uh, how that he was, uh, how that, that he was made unstable in all of his ways, and what the Bible plainly talks about in that man's life. And, and uh, James here in this particular scripture in verses nine through eleven. Uh, he's still addressing the thought of wisdom uh, and trials and how that they too can, uh, then we can have the wisdom that we would be able to rejoice in the trials that we face. Now, you say, preacher, I don't, I've never figured that out yet. Now, I don't say I've got everything uh, planned out, everything figured out, but I do will say that I thank God for that that I have learned and that that I have been able to accomplish in my Life, not that I've accomplished anything, but what the Lord's been able to teach me. I'm kind of thick-skulled, a little bit numb-skulled, I reckon you'd say, and hard-headed when it comes to learning the lessons the Lord wants me to learn. Uh, but there, is, but when we we read in the Word of God, we find that James told us that we can have wisdom, and the reason we don't have it is probably because we're not asking for it. And if we are not asking for it, we're asking, or if we are asking for it, we're asking for it for the wrong purpose. And for the wrong reasons, and and well, James has went on telling us that we uh, that God gives us this wisdom liberally. He gives to all men, and He'll give it liberally. That means He'll give it freely. He'll give it uh, without much regard. You just got to apply yourself uh, to getting wisdom, and uh, and and the, and to have knowledge is the is one of the the beginning ways to have wisdom. You gain wisdom when you gain knowledge, and you gain knowledge by having wisdom. So. It all interchanges and all interacts together. But now James is desiring that the children of God here that he's writing to, uh, that, that, that they would experience joy in the midst of the trials that they're facing. They're facing some, some hard times. They're facing some rough times. We're, we're reading of, a, of an occasion when the church is being scattered. We told you the book of James is the oldest book uh, in the New Testament. It was the first book that was written. Matthew wasn't the first book written, okay? But the 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 but the, the the epistle of James was the the first book that was written. It is the oldest New Testament book, and therefore, when James wrote this book, the church was being scattered. The church was under extreme persecution. The church was was having to flee. They were leaving. They were uh, have, have left their jobs. Many of them. Many of them left their livelihoods, and and they had gone to other places. They were trying to uh, to exist and and trying to live. Therefore, we got to understand the, the, the setting in which James uh, is writing this book. And it, what his desire was for them is that they would learn how to have joy in facing the things that they were facing. Now, I don't know about you, I'd find it probably pretty hard <coughs> to, be, to be happy or to be joyous when I'm running for my life. I, I don't know about you, I don't, I don't know how I'd react to that, but but James, on the other hand, was reacting in a way and he was desirous for the church to let the let her light shine and to be that different people, to, to be the people that would be a Christian regardless of where they, where they were. Remember the Bible said it was at Antioch that they were first called Christians. It, uh, it wasn't at Jerusalem where they were first called Christians, but it was at Antioch. They began to 
lived that life. Uh, those people at Antioch lived a life that was uh, comparable, if you will, to the to the walk that Jesus walked. Uh, they 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 lived their life in a manner that uh, that that people could look at them and see that they were followers of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be a great thing for folks to look at us and be able to tell that today? A lot if we if it wasn't for bumper stickers on our cars and and uh, and t-shirts that we wear. A lot of people never would know anymore that there's a, that, that Christians are Christians. Uh, that's why I believe in separation for one thing. I believe in, in separation. I believe in godly apparel uh, for men as well as women. I believe that, that, that there is a, there's a need for that so we can be separated. The world can see that there is a difference in us. So, uh, so James moves at, the, uh, at this time. He moves from the general trials of life that he's been speaking of and he, and he begins to talk about specific tests that require divine wisdom if you will to make it through them uh, to make it through these situations some uh, some some uh, some some specific i mean in touch nation the notions with God and dealings with God in order to be able to to turn from this or, or to be able to make it through this what we're talking about is he turns to social suffering Notice what he said in verse number 9. He said, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. And then in verse 10, he, he goes to that one that's rich. It's not always easy, or it's not always others that will inflict pain upon us. Sometimes we inflict pain upon ourselves. Sometimes we cause ourselves more trouble than what we ought to. Amen? Sometimes by the life that we choose to live, we, we inflict upon ourselves with equal or greater intensity than the world would. By, you think about this. Think about having a critical spirit. If you have a critical spirit about you, uh, how much of the Lord Jesus are you going to be exemplifying? If there's always a tragedy and always a problem in your life, how much of Jesus is being seen in your life? Well, that critical spirit, when you begin, when you become... Uh, uh, was personally dissatisfied with your place in society. Now, what what James is encouraging the brethren of the of the church, the of these Hebrew brethren, he's encouraging them not to get discouraged because of where they fall in society. <coughs> Everybody can't be rich. Everybody can't be wealthy. Matter of fact, I'd be willing to say that the greatest majority of us could not handle wealth in the right way. Uh, the greatest majority of us, if we were wealthy, like we would, like, boy, I wish I had a, I mean, I would say, I wish I had a million dollars. Uh, you know what? The odds are, if you had that million dollars, you might not be here tonight. The odds are, you might, you might not be in the house of God. If I wish I had, wish I had, everybody's always going to build the church, a new church, you know. That's what they're going, that's the first thing I'm going to do. If I get to be a millionaire, I'm going to build the church, a brand new building to start with. And probably you told a field right there when you said that. Because most of us won't think about a lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff if we were that way. But that, that, to have a, a, a dissatisfaction with where you are socially, life can become unbearable when we try to live up to worldly expectations. When we want to be what everybody else is, when we want to have what everybody else has, you won't know why. You know the the average span of a marriage nowadays. Y'all know what it is. The average span of a marriage is eight years. 
That's the average span. That's how long most marriages make it, eight years. Uh, okay? And you know why a lot of them, they say that when you study this thing out, why a lot of them end prematurely or end earlier uh, and, and, and maybe don't make it? It's because they're overwhelmed in debt. They become overwhelmed in financial problems. Uh, if, I, if I took you back to when, when me and Angela married, and I, I let y'all live <laughs> uh, where we lived, you'd probably think, boy, he's a bum. And she's a bum. Ain't, ain't a, boy, I'm going to tell you, there ain't a whole lot to them. When you've seen, uh, when we come home from our honeymoon, only light we had in the house was when we opened the refrigerator door, okay? That's the only way we could see how to walk around at night, and it was running off an extension cord from the temporary power pole, all right? That, that's the only way that, that I mean, that we, we, didn't, we didn't start off having everything, but, but now marriages today, marriages today want to start off with, with, with everybody having, you know, I, I want to start off having everything that mama and daddy had, and they've been married 45 years. And they've, they've acquired, they've, they've, they've sowed some rough patches. They've been through some hard times. And therefore, when that financial burden increases upon them, they, they, they can't get along. And eventually, there winds up being a divided house, which results in divorce. Now, you say, preacher, what in the world's that got to do with any of this, it's got to do with expecting or, or having our place in society and being satisfied where we're at. Now, life can only uh, life can be unbearable, and it will be unbearable if all you want to do is have things that you don't have now. If I, I always want to, I want to have give my children what I didn't have. Any of you said that? Huh? Y'all quit lying to me. You know you said that. I won't give my children what I didn't have. Why? Did you have it that bad? Did you have it that bad? Probably not. You're here today and God's been real good to you. And God, it ain't going to hurt some of our children to face some times like we faced. And may I say this, we liable, they liable to face some times like we ain't never faced here in the next little while, okay? Uh, but, but the thing about it is, listen to what, the, what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, 12. Paul said, not that I speak in respect of one, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now uh, Paul said, whether in poverty or plenty, uh, you know, there, there's uh, one way or another, There, Paul said, I've learned how to deal with it. But let me say it, there is anxiety in either one or in both. And James was concerned with those saints of God's that with their attitude toward the position that they were accustomed to, what the position that they had laid upon him. So number one, I want to let's look tonight at the man of poverty. Verse nine said, "Let the brother of low degree, the brother of low degree." That when you look that up, it means one who is poor, one who is oppressed, one who is humble and seemingly. Unimportant. That is what the intentions are when you read this verse. Let the brother of low degree. He don't meet up the standards with the high class. He don't have the things that others have. He don't uh, have the, the, the good clothes and the good place to live that others have. And James is concerned about them. And he says unto them, let them of low degree rejoice. Now my goodness, how in the world uh, can we rejoice when we don't have what others have? Y'all all right? 
How can I rejoice when I don't have a brand new side by side? How can I rejoice when I don't have the hunting rifle like them other boys just got? Well, I really don't know how to answer that other than our priorities have gotten out of the way. We might be short on worldly possessions, but can I tell you the reason James was, 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 was concerned about these people is because this class of people made up the majority of the early church. The majority of the early church was poor people. The majority of the early church were people that, that didn't have anything. Matter of fact, a great number of them were slaves that were in the early church. We'd probably look down our nose at what the majority of the early church was to, in, the, in those days. We'd probably today look down our nose and say, boy, I'm a lot better than them. I got more than they have. And we are. We're, we're the richest. You, take, you, you let somebody come over. If old brother Frank gets to come over, Franco gets to come over from over in Africa over there, and he's going to get here, and he's going to think every one of you are rich as, as, as you can be. It don't matter what you have. It don't matter how much money you have in the bank. He's going to look at what you do have and he's going to say y'all are rich. And, and, and really, when you compare to what he has, he's, you're right because it's where God's placed us and the blessing to God. We live still as wicked as she is. We still live in the greatest nation on the face of God's earth. There ain't a better nation to be a, to, to live in today. Uh, Ronald Reagan said this, if we lose America, we don't have nowhere else to go, friend. That's why we better fight for what we've got and stand up for what we got and quit being complacent and satisfied. That's why you ought to get to the voting booths and vote right and there needs to be some people stand up and, and take the places uh, that, that's been complacent and satisfied for so many years because we're about to lose what God's given us and been since a good good to ha let us have for all these years. I'm soon to be 57 years old. And I can tell you what, God's been good to me all my life. He, he's been real good to me all of my life. I can't find a, a bad day. I, listen, I've had some rough times. I've had some sick times. There's been some days I've lost family members and friends. There's been some times that ain't been real happy, but all in all, I can't complain about the life God's given me. And friend, I'll be there some to say tonight that if you are where, where, where I think you are, you, you probably can't real complain a whole lot yourself because God, the Father in heaven, has been real, real good to you. So listen, this class of people was under great hatred. Many of them were at this place where they were of low degree because they had been forced to give up their family and their finances because of their faith. They had been forced to surrender who they were. There were some that probably... I would imagine, look, can I just say, can I wander off just a minute? I would imagine that if the Apostle Paul come from where the, that we are told that he come from, if he was schooled at the feet of Gamiel, if he was a, 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 if he was, was a possible member of the Sanhedrin court, I want you to know that when he got born again, uh, the, and he, got to, he, he had to give up the wealth that he had, there's, that, that Sanhedrin was not poor people. Okay, they were wealthy people. If Paul, it wasn't you didn't get you didn't get schooled at the feet of Gamaliel uh, for free. 
He, he came from a wealthy family, I believe. Uh, he was, a matter of fact, he was a Roman citizen as well, was he not? In order to be a Roman citizen, there had to be some wealth involved there. And we find the Apostle Paul, when he got saved, he surrendered all of that. He said, I count all of that but dung for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Don't worry, it ain't worth nothing to me compared to knowing Jesus. So there's many that underwent hatred. Many were forced to give up family and finances because of their faith in the Lord Jesus. So let me tell you this. You ought not despise where God has you. It's not what we don't have that matters as much as what we do have. Amen. Listen, it's not as important as... I'm not as important as this or... I'm not as important as that one over there. I don't have the office that this one has. And, and I don't get all of those, that doings ain't nothing but the seed of Satan. That's all it is. That's all just the devil whispering in your ear and you listening to it all the time. We may not be able to change our social standing, but I can, uh, but I can guarantee you that we can change our attitude toward it. I may not be able to change how my, how my bank account looks, but I can count what little bit I do have as a blessing from God. I may not be able to write the biggest check in the church house, but I can tell you what, I can count the, and I can thank the Lord God for every little dime that I have because He takes real good care of me. So you see, our social standing, this man of poverty that we're looking at here, we we have to combat the uh, the negative spirit that sometimes comes our way. How do you do that? Somebody said. Well, listen to what Paul said. But let the brother of low degree listen. Rejoice in that he is exalted. How do I do it? You you do it by rejoicing that you've been spiritually exalted. First of all. Rejoice in that He is spiritually exalted. He is exalted. Y'all notice something about this? I, I, I've got to where I pay more attention to words than ever before when I'm reading the Bible. Uh, that, that, that he, said, he said here, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that He... Look at that little two-letter word right there. What is it? Huh? Is exalted. It, it, Brother Mike, he said that it's already happened. It's already taken place. Let him rejoice, but not one day. Oh, one day I'm going to trade in this old world. I'm going to trade. Hey, friend, it ain't about what's going to happen yonder. It's about what's already took place. (coughs) That he is exalted. We've already, how in the world is that? Listen, how, how has I been exalted, preacher? I don't understand. He didn't say you will be, but he said you have been exalted. How, preacher? Tell me how. Well, I'd be glad to. We were born into sin. We were born sinners, but we're, we were the servants of sin, but we ain't no more, thank God. What about that? Listen to me. We, we're, we abode under the condemnation of a holy God at one time. I lived 
of 12 years of my life abiding under the condemnation of God and one day the Holy Ghost of God came by my way and wiped away that condemnation I'm no more condemned but I have eternal life I was doomed to an eternal death in a lake of fire but no longer now I have eternal life I'm not going to have eternal life I already have eternal life a lot of folks, that's the reason false religion can't get a hold of salvation being eternal. They think that we're going to have eternal life one day. But Brother Mike, if I know what my Bible says, my Bible said I've already got it. It started on the day I got born again. I'm going to live forever. Amen. This old body is going to pass away. But the part that God saved is going to live forever one day. And I bless His holy name because I know where I came from. I know what I'm supposed to be. I know what I used to be. I know of my, my lineage. I know my history of my family. And brother, it's nobody but the God of heaven that could change the course that God changed in my life. I just want you to know I have been exalted already. There was a second death that I was facing, but now I don't have to worry. Paul said, Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? I'm a child of God. The sting of death don't exist for me. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You see, all of that changed because of God's grace. I'm no longer under wrath, but I have been quickened. The Bible said in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! Let me read that again because some of you didn't get it. Listen, he said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Listen, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Let me say this tonight, that we're no longer under the condemnation of the, of the wrath of God. Today we have victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not only that, but I'm elevated to the position of the Son of God. Oh, hold on, preacher. You really mean that? I do mean it. I thought Jesus was the Son of God. He is. He's the only begotten of the Father. But to them who overcome, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Hey, I'm one of them. Hallelujah. I'm one of them. I'm, I'm of that number. Mark me down. I'm in that crowd. And I like being in that crowd, okay? I'm a son of the Lord God. I've been elevated to that position. I've been made heir and join heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. How in the world could that man of low degree uh, look at what God at what everything God had done for him and say, Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know how in the world I've got anything to rejoice about. Hey, friend, I'm no longer going to hell. I'm no longer a pauper. I'm no longer in bondage. I'm no longer bound to death. And I have a life ahead of me that's eternal and that's forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. I did not have that before. I have been elevated. I got a raise. Amen. I'm an ambassador also. And I've got a message. 
The message is the ministry of reconciliation. I can tell folk how to be reconciled to God just like I got reconciled to God. I have that ministry. I have that privilege. I have that opportunity. I would dare to say yes, it's a wonderful ministry. And it's a blessing. You see, this is the only, only the beginning of the things. Matter of fact, I'm still learning pretty much what all I've got. I've been saved 42, 43 years. And I'm still learning what all I've got that, that, that's laid down in the will that God gave for me. You see, the songwriter said he placed me in his will. And I'm there, brother. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an heir and I'm a joint heir. Whatever Jesus get, I'm getting me some of it. Amen. Whatever he gets, I'm a getting. Hey, listen, they're going to be in a heaven and God's going to give it to him. He's going to give it to me too. There's streets of gold. I'm going to see streets of gold. I ain't got to earn none of it. I ain't got to uh, uh, do something to, uh, to make God let me get in there. Hey, no, sir, I ain't got to do that. I'm already going. Why? Because I've been born again. Been washed in the blood of the Lamb of God. Been saved by God's great grace. Let me just go ahead and say, until you let the a brother of low degree rejoice in that he's been exalted. Been spiritually exalted. Also been physically exalted. You know what? Being a member of the local church. How many of you glad for the local church tonight? Hallelujah for the church. I thank God for the church. Somebody said, well it just don't seem like I, I, I can fit in. It's because you ain't wanting to fit in. Honey, just, just dive in there. Just get in. I'm telling you, just get to where you need to be. And if you'll sell out and, get, and quit holding back with reservations and, and get in there and, and find your spot and, and just worship and serve the Lord together, there ain't nothing like being a part of the Lord's church. And I'm glad for the local church that Jesus built. I'm glad, listen, I, next to my home where I live, I'm telling you, when I come here, I feel better. I, I got more energy. I got more friends. I feel more in common. Hey, I got more, more rejoicing takes place for me here in this little old building, a 40 by 80 building, than it is in any other place on the face of God's earth. Ain't no place I'd rather be rather than here. Around you, folks. I'm not talking about just a few of you. I'm talking about every one of you. And then some it's not here as well. I've been physically exalted. One thing about the local church, there's no class distinction in the local church. There's no high class and low class. Let me say that again. There's no lower class and no high class. We all the same class. Sometimes in the early church, you know what would take place? A slave would be the minister to the local body. I want you to consider something right now, and I ain't got time to dwell on it very long, but I want you to consider Onesimus. He was a runaway slave. He belonged to Philemon. He was jailed with Paul for running away and stealing. According to what I gather, he was jailed with Paul for, for running away and stealing from, from, from Philemon, his, his master, if you will. But while he was placed in jail, the whole book, had it not been for Onesimus, we wouldn't have had the book of Philemon. <laughs> if it wouldn't have been for, let me say that again, some of you in the back. If it wouldn't have been for Onesimus, we wouldn't have had the book of Philemon. I thank God for Onesimus. 
I'm glad we have, I'm glad we have a brother Onesimus and one day we're going to get to see him and I don't know if we're going to, how that's all going to be, but I, I just want you to know that, that he got saved under the ministry of Paul while he was in prison. He got saved in a jail cell and Paul wrote on, on Onesimus' behalf, he wrote a letter to Philemon. That's the whole book right there that he wrote. But in chapter 1, verse 15 and 16 of that book, Paul said this unto Philemon. For perhaps he therefore parted for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant. A brother, beloved, especially to me, but now much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul writing to Philemon said, now he's worth more to you now than he's ever been before. He's not just your slave, but now he's your brother. I imagine when Philemon looked at Onesimus and said, Brother Onesimus. Onesimus' heart probably fluttered a beat. He probably skipped a beat. He probably looked at him and said, Brother Philemon. He probably didn't say master, but brother, you see, he had done been elevated. He had been physically elevated to the place of brother. I want you to know something. Uh, you can be a member of any lodge, any lock-in, any group you want to. It's nothing compared to being a part of the church that the Lord Jesus Christ built. Onesimus was elevated. He was given an elevation. So we see the man of poverty. Now let's look, number two, at the man of plenty, and I'll be done. Verses 10 and 11 are both dedicated. Both those verses are dedicated to the man of plenty. He had a lot more to say about the man that had plenty than he did about the man that, uh, that, that was of poverty. And, and, uh, and, and I don't understand why other than the fact that they, he may have thought that he was a little more important than what the old boy of poverty may have meant. But, but you know what, it, what, what James is trying to let him know most of all? Is you can't trust your wealth more than you can God. You can't trust what you got in the bank more than you can God. I'm going to tell you, there's going to come a day, it's not going to be long, Everything you've got filtered up, everything you've got bottled up, everything you've got holes dug, every, every dime you've got in savings or whatever, good chances are it's all going to come to naught here for long. Amen! I know that ain't popular preaching, but it's a good chance that's going to happen. Real good chance. And ain't nothing wrong with having money. That's not a, not a, not a problem with having money. It's when money has you when the problem gets over. It's when that you begin to act any way in the world because what you have. You see, uh, money should money should just, money should do this. Money should lose hold on an individual that's been born again. It shouldn't motivate us anymore. I know some folks that it bothers me to see how money motivates them. They're motivated by money. Ain't motivated by a soul getting saved. Or by somebody getting lost, but boy, you talk about a dollar in their eyes light up. That bothers me, Brother Dave. I'll be honest with you when you start doing that, when you see that. I want to go real quickly to the book of Matthew, if I can, and, and chapter number 19, <clears throat> real quick. And, and I want to read a couple of scripture here. Matthew chapter 19, I believe that's where it is. Verse 23. Yeah, verse 23 and 24. 
Matthew 19, verse 23 and 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You see, what we find that Jesus thought of the men with their riches, that he said it's easier for that camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter. And I've heard all kind of explanations about that verse, about the eye of a needle being a little place camel had to get on his knees and crawl through. And it'd be about as easy for a camel to do that as it would for you to stick him through a sewing needle, okay? So I, I don't care. I'm not trying to explain none of that away. I'm telling you this, it's not possible for none of us to get saved apart from the Lord Jesus. Ain't none of us going to get born again apart from Christ. So, I, listen, you can use either needle you want to with me. It don't make me no difference. Uh, but I believe this. I, I believe that, 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 that wealth sometimes has the problem of standing in the way of folks seeing a need for a Savior. It has, they, they, that wealth will tend to, tend to make you think that you're above that need. James compared riches to grass, he said. He said it passes away. Passes away. You know what? There's never been a monetarily rich man go into heaven. What do you mean by saying that, Richard? Nobody's took their bank account with them. They didn't take their debit card. Nobody has ever got into heaven with riches. Now I don't. I, there's going to be folks who's probably going to think, listen to that, and say, "Boy, you ought to said that. That's wrong. You said all all saved people are going to go to hell." Nope, didn't say that. But I'm telling you, they're not taking a cent or anything with them when they leave. And it'd do good for us to lose sight of it while we got it here on this earth. Riches of earthly value will not make the trip to glory. The Bible said, but the rich, in verse 10, in that what? He is made low. The word there that he uses in the Greek for he is made low, is it comes out to the translation, means, means depression in rank or feelings. Means humiliation. The Bible said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Edward Moat wrote the song, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You can stand on your riches and you'll sink. But we can stand on Christ and all be the same. The poor man can learn self-respect. And the rich man can, can prove self-abasement. 
But we can only do that when we have wisdom. Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30. And verse number 7. Proverbs 30 and verse number 7. It says, Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal, and take the name of my God in vain. That's wisdom. That's wisdom speaking. Give me neither riches nor poverty. Lord, just let me depend upon you. The pressures of life are great enough without inflicting ourselves with further social suffering. We have enough to worry about. Friend, because you don't have what somebody else has, don't mean you're a lower class person. When you don't have the wealth and the riches, there's somebody that would give anything to have what you have. There's somebody that would, would, would do anything just to have what you have. The richest man in this world, in my opinion, would be the one that has his family in the house of God, serving God being faithful to God, loving God together. That's the richest man in the world. You may not have two dimes to rub together, but what he has is going to make it all the way. See, that's what's important. Just like I told you all this morning, it's important that your children make it. It's important that your grandchildren make it. Angela said something to me this past week. It was kind of sobering to me. Annalise, she'll, she'll be 13 next month. And she said in probably six years she might be married. Ten, eight years. Something like that. I forget what number she said. I said, I ain't ready for that. That ain't, that ain't, that ain't, mm -mm, I don't like the thoughts of that. And if she has children, I'll be great grandpa. And you know what my ambition is? When I get to be great grandpa, I want them to serve. I want them to be born again. I want them to trust Jesus. I want them to know the Lord. I consider myself, Brother Mike, a rich man. I may not have everything. I may have to depend upon the Lord to take me through and to make it one day to another because it's by His grace I make it anyhow. Sometimes we tend to think we do it. We're not able. God, help us tonight that we'd look at ourselves and say, Lord, I just need You to help me. That I wouldn't get caught and discouraged by my social condition. I wouldn't get all up in the air about where I stand, what I don't have. 
what I can't do. Angela and I had said this before. I reckon you'd say we was church, we was poor as a church house rat and we got married. For the first five or six, eight years, we was poor as a cunt. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. God sure was good to me. And he's been good to me ever since. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Then the brother that's already rich, just let him see where he stands and realize who God who's given to him. Let him be abased. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege tonight that we can stand. I don't know what your will is for me preaching this or teaching this this evening. God, you know. And I pray, God, you'd do with it what you want to do. Father, help it to make a difference in our lives. God, would you do a work in our hearts and our families? Would you make a difference in mamas and daddies? Would you make a difference in young people? Tonight, even, Lord, can I thank you, Lord? Can I just thank you right now for what you've done for me all the days of my life? God, what you brought me from, that I had no idea where I was headed. God, you intersected and interceded on my behalf. You gave me, Lord, life eternal. You changed my eternal destiny. God, you elevated me. I was sore headed to hell. Didn't even know it. God, you saved me from it. God, you saved me from myself and you give me eternal life. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you for the precious blood that he shed yonder on Calvary. Thank you, God, for the price that he paid for every stripe he bore. Thank you, God, for everything he suffered, everything he went through so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for my Bible. Thank you, God, that I can read it and allow it to become effectual in my life. Thank you, God, for allowing me to have a copy that I can read to my family. I can read to my grandbabies. God, future in the future that my great-grandbabies their grandbabies can hear the, about Jesus trust Him and believe and be saved God please help us to be thankful for what you've done for us and I'll bless your name forever for it's in Jesus name I pray Amen